Why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number Smart Bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 Smart Bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed, plus free home delivery when you add an adjustable base. Ends Monday. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. On this episode, I interview Dr. Tracy Dalglish, a clinical psychologist who specializes in couples therapy about her new book, I Didn't Sign Up For This, as well as how to help a broken relationship and how to know when it might be over. The other thing we want to be doing in our relationships at this point, when we feel like we're not sure where we're going, if that we've just hit rock bottom, is to then have those meetings talking about what are we actually going to change about ourselves and the other person. And you both need to be in there. You both contribute to this dynamic. When we get to this place in a relationship, I think it's really important for people to know that it wasn't just one person that got you here. It's that dynamic piece. And so you know, something, and I talk about this in the book, uh, it's this kind of moment of, I have to recognize that if I'm going to jump into criticism every time my husband comes to me to tell me something, I'm creating more distance in our bond. And it's not going to invite him to come to me and share more with me. So what's in my control is that I can choose when he comes to me with something, no matter how small it is, it's the being able to say, thank you for sharing that with me. Hi, and welcome to The Parentologist Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kim. The Parentologist Podcast is a show about everything parenting with a therapeutic twist. Each episode focuses on a variety of relatable topics, including parenting, family, children, relationships, mental health, and pop culture. Hear from a variety of medical professionals, psychological experts, authors, celebrities, and other parents with inspiring stories. You'll feel like you're in the same room with your friends getting all of your questions answered. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll learn, and you'll have fun. Dr. Tracy, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Thank you for having me here, Dr. Kim. I'm so excited for our conversation today and just for the opportunity for us to actually sit face-to-face. We've been hanging out virtually for such a long time, so this is such a gift. It is. It, it really is. Um, yeah, we've been friends on social media for probably years now. Yeah. <laughs> and we've never met in person. I'm in the US, you're in Canada. And, you know, we both have careers and we're both moms and we do all the things. And yeah. it's, um, but yeah, so it's great to even just, yeah, sit across from you and it's from a computer screen to, you know, um, you know, talk face to face. Such, such a blessing. So, uh, and thank you for your time. I am so excited to dive in about the things we're going to talk about today. You are just a wealth of knowledge and experience, and you've lived it firsthand in your own marriage. I know I go through things in my own marriage, and I always want to call you up and <laughs> say, hey, would you have any advice for this? Because I'm dealing with this at this moment, and I know you have an answer. Um, do you get that a lot, being a couples therapist? Do you get friends and people that you know kind of get trying to get free advice out of you? I, I wouldn't say it's free advice necessarily, but it is that like, what what is this that's happening for us? And you know, a lot of it, what I love being able to show up in my my day to day life and also on Instagram because I'm not your therapist on Instagram, right? We're not the viewer's therapist, but just that real, the realness behind what it means to struggle in our partnerships. And it's incredibly hard to do this 
this piece yeah. of this connection of trying to have your own identity and your own autonomy and then also to be parents at the same time and as you know managing a business and all of the things in between so it is really hard. I, I like to joke that I'm the on-call boundary script writer. So when my girlfriends are like struggling with their in-laws or the family member, they text me and I'm like, here's where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's funny you say that. And it is hard. It's very hard work um, to, to live it and be in your own relationship. But then I feel like it's also really hard work to help others in that same, um, you know, to, to be a couple's therapist, right? Um, when I first started in, you know, when I was actually at the beginning of my getting my doctorate and I remember I walked into like my interview to even get into the school and they said, well, you know, what kind of therapy do you want to do when you're done? I boldly and confidently said, I want to be a couples therapist. I had read John Gray's, you know, book, um, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, like when I was 18 and I was like, that's what I want. I want to sit in an office and have just people come talk to me. I'm going to help them and, you know, do all the things. And then I started doing couples therapy <laughs> with mm -hmm. real couples, mm -hmm. with real problems. <laughs> and I wasn't even married at that point. And so that was a struggle in itself. But it was hard. And I finally said, this is not the direction for me. You know, bless the people that can do it because this is not for me. And, you know, now I exclusively yeah. work with children and usually small children. And to me, that's just more manageable for me. And maybe my, my expertise and personality just clicks more, you know, especially after since I became a mom, it just does. Um, so I, like I said, I commend you for what you do because it is very hard work. It's a funny story though, because it, what's funny is in my undergrad, I went through a period of saying, I can't wait to work with children. I, I loved the developmental psych class in second year and thought, yeah, oh, I yeah. want to work with children. And then I landed into couples therapy and you're touching on something that's really hard. And I know you experience this working with children and their families as well, is that you're managing multiple dynamics in the therapy room. And so it's not that I have a relationship with just one person, but I have a relationship with two people. And then I also have a relationship with their dynamic. So each person is going to bring something. And then as a therapist, it's also going to bring something up in me, right? We talk about counter-transference. Um, and then each person might have their own transference to me as well. But then their dynamic will also bring something up. And I talk about that in my book in the sense that being a couples therapist can sometimes stir up things that are happening in my own relationship. Or I can sometimes oh, yeah. leave feeling a deeper sense of gratitude for my partner and for my family sure. and for my kids as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, both sides of the coin. You mentioned your book. Let's talk about that real quick. You have a book coming out, congratulations, called I Didn't Sign Up for This, and it comes out September 12th, which is right around the corner, which yeah. is so exciting. I bet you're just... Oh, I can't, I can't imagine uh, what you're feeling right now about that. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, so it's titled, I didn't sign up for this. What is the significance of that title? What inspired you to write it? Tell me all yeah. the things, the backstory behind it. Yeah. I, I found myself sitting in front of couples and individual clients all saying the same thing. I didn't sign up for this. And the stories in the book specifically are a young couple postpartum let me rephrase that. Not necessarily a young couple. They're newly together. Um, they're newly together and they have a three-month-old and they're struggling with the mental load. Another couple, they're blending their family and they're struggling with his ex-wife. Another couple, they're married. They've been married for quite some time and they're struggling to set boundaries with his mother 
and they're near the point of separating. And then another client comes to my office and her husband says, I'm not the problem. You are. You go to therapy. And so she comes to therapy with anxiety and stress with two young children. And yet a lot of the work we do is around building healthy relationships. And so all of these people kept showing up to my office saying, I didn't sign up for this. And then I found myself saying the same thing, crying in the shower one day after having my second child, feeling the weight of postpartum, the heaviness of the mental load, and feeling a sense of deep resentment towards my husband in that season of our relationship. And so when I thought of writing this book, first it came from a desire so that clients could see that they are not alone in the struggles that they're experiencing. And I know you experience this as well with the clients you work with, is that we often show up to this place of saying, is it just me? Is there something wrong with me? And I, I have this thought of, I wish you could just see this client that sat here before you. This isn't, there's nothing defective in your marriage necessarily. There's nothing wrong with you. Um, but, you know, these are the everyday real struggles that we have. So I wanted to write the book in case stories so that people could see the very real struggles that people have. And, and Dr. Kim, one of the experiences that I had in March, actually, at the Psychotherapy Networker, this big conference that therapists all over the world go to, um, we were talking about the mental load. And a psychologist stands up and she says, I am a mom to a young child and I'm married to a psychologist. And he doesn't know how the child's Tylenol gets into the house. And we're both smart people. But it's this the reality of it doesn't matter who you are. The reality is that we struggle in our relationships. We struggle with right. very real topics of navigating the load, of resentment, of feeling so distant and disconnected. And so as I was writing the book and writing these stories, because we learn also best through stories, I also found myself feeling the sense of if I leave myself out of these stories, it's like I'm putting a wall up and saying, as a therapist, I don't experience these things in my life. And it's, you know, these are, these are other people problems when in reality, I was in that too, that we found ourselves disconnected even more after parenting, becoming parents and trying to find our way through what it meant to become parents, still be a couple to deal with the mental load, to navigate our resentment. And so I really wanted to show other people that even the experts who have all the skills and tools, they show up in these really hard moments in life as well. Oh, I, I can I can relate to that a lot. Um, I met my husband when we were getting our doctorates, and he's a clinical psychologist, and he actually does couples therapy. Like ah, he, yes. he has couples as his clients, not all of them. He doesn't exclusively work with couples, mm-hmm. but he does. Mm-hmm. And, you know, marital discord and and whatnot. And we have the tools, right? I mean, we both took couples therapy classes together. We read the same books. We did our dissertations on couples, um, you know, different topics about that. And we have struggled tremendously. And there's times I bring up things like the mental load. And then he'll come at me and, and say that I'm being a martyr and to stop whining about how great my life is. And, you know, you know, you have such a blessed life. You have this and you have that. You know, why do you keep complaining about all the other things, you know? And it's like we we both have that expertise, but then we still have built up resentment. And it brings me back to the title of your book in that he says, since we've been married almost 13 years, that 
he didn't sign up for it. And he's literally said those words to me that I am not the same person that he dated. Mm. I'm not the same person that he, that I was when he put a ring on my finger. And then all of a sudden here, 13 later, you know, where we have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old and he's like, you're not the same person. And it's almost like in those words, I didn't sign up for this. You know, I've been duped. You know, where's the girl that I dated? Where's the girl that I married? And so I I can relate. Just to interject in there, you're, of course, you're not the same person because when we start dating, we have time and space. We have all of this space to go into ourselves and work out these things that don't maybe feel the best. And maybe then we choose to share it with our partner or we don't and we work through it. We have time to date, to go on dates, to sit beside each other and do nothing and watch, you know, five episodes of whatever it is back to back. And then maybe you're kind of negotiating like who's actually going to clean up this mess here, right? There's so much time and space. And then I talk about these four principles in the book at the end. And I think they're so important throughout the journey of our relationships, but they're much easier to honor at the beginning. That's curiosity, compassion, collaboration, and connection. And so we then lose those pieces. It's not its not like you wake up one day and you say, I'm not going to be curious about my partner anymore. We're not going to connect and have time together. It's just that slow unraveling of what life presents to us because now you are different. You have two kids and practices and a home and more stresses on top of you that now it's incredibly hard to navigate all of those things. So yeah, you're not the same person. And then, and you know this, and your husband knows this, is that we have suitcases that we carry into our relationships. And when things happen in front of us, sometimes the stuff in our suitcase is working behind us. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Such a great point and such a great point to remember. And like you were saying earlier, how you're not, you have all these dynamics of the people that you work with and their relationship dynamic and relationship with, you know, both sides of the, of of the relationship. And there's also that suitcase too. I feel like that's a whole nother relationship that comes into play and our family of origin and, you know, what, what kind of childhood we had and, you know, Mm. all of those things too. So in your words, and, and you've kind of already alluded to some of this, but what are some of the most common problems couples and or individuals come to you regarding their relationships? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can look at some of those. I kind of call them like the upstairs stuff because what, what then I do in therapy is we go down into the downstairs into our core problems of the attachment needs and longings. And that's often the piece that we don't realize that we're that are underneath these common challenges that show up. And I've heard couples argue about everything. And I say that also to really normalize because some people will come into my office and say, oh, Dr. Tracy, we were arguing about how to cook the whatever, or we were arguing about the socks on the floor and this is so silly. And, And it's not because they trigger deeper underneath stuff. So those common challenges that are really showing up in the therapy room right now are things like navigating the mental load. That is one of the biggest ones that, I think has shown up not just because we are in 2023, uh, we would have seen this in 2019 or even 2015, but I think also post-COVID world in the sense that everybody was once at home and a lot of women woke up saying, hang on, we're both at home. So why is this all on me when you are equally here doing the same thing as I am? And so a lot of people have experienced this shift in their relationship since 
a, a lot of the lockdowns that we experienced. Um, so the mental load is one. Navigating the children. Parents often feel like they are on different sides. They're not on the same team. And I want to normalize that because how many of you listening, so you listening right now, did you and your partner talk about how you were going to parent together? I can raise my hand and say, we did not. That was, we did not either. That was I'll throw the, that out there too. <laughs> right? And we went to school and we talked about all of these things and the predictors of successful relationships. And we didn't, <laughs> right. we didn't do it. We didn't sit down before we got engaged saying, how do you one day plan to parent your children? And we approach things differently, of course, right? So parenting is another big one. Um, family, extended family, in-law family, that is a huge piece that people come to therapy. Sometimes I see individuals working on this piece because their partner doesn't want to come or is not ready. So that's another piece. Um, and then, of course, we have the other common stressors of things like financial stressors and also sex is another really big issue that people show up into therapy. And then it's the like everyday things that happen of we were on the trip and I said this and they said that. And then before you know it, we're like yelling out, we're just going to get a divorce, right? So it's it's all of these moments that show up in our relationships. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we're going to dive into a little bit of that. We're about halfway through. We're going to take a quick five-second break, and then um, we'll come right back. Why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number Smart Bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 Smart Bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed, plus free home delivery when you add an adjustable base. Ends Monday. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. Okay. So in your book, your hope is that you show couples how to have an interdependent relationship. So let's share with everyone who's listening, what is interdependence and how is it different from independence and codependence? Mm -hmm. Yes. Let's start there. So interdependence is the ability to hold both our autonomy and independence. That's the I and also hold it at the same time as connection and intimacy. And that's the we. And that actually creates a lot of tension for people. For a lot of people, we didn't learn how to do that as children. And so then we've learned to do one of two things. Maybe we're more codependent, we lean more on that side, or we lean more towards the independent side. And so there's this tension that exists between holding both independence and connection. And we're trying to find ways to gather that. And essentially, the way I break it down is I am me, you are you, and we are both okay. And when we can understand that our partners are a separate person from us with their own thoughts and feelings, opinions, desires, and that we then also are okay in our own thoughts, feelings, opinions, and desires, once we can understand that, that at our core, we can then move towards problem solving, and co-creating our worlds together. It, it's kind of funny when I think about a conversation my husband and I were having last night. He was saying something in response to what I had said. We were talking about a house on the market and how it had received an offer. And I was talking about 
a different scenario and he was talking about something else. And his response felt heated to me. And I was like, whoa, hang on. We're saying two different things here, but we're on the same team. And so just even right. that idea of like, you know, it's such a silly little example, but this idea of like, we're both trying to say something. We're both okay. Let's be on the same team together. So that is where we want to go in our relationships. But what we end up doing, though, is we end up going into codependency, which looks like the loss of I. We lose ourselves. It's kind of like your partner saying, I absolutely love pizza. And you're like, gosh, pizza just really upsets my stomach. But you don't say anything at all. And you say, yeah, I love pizza too. Pizza's great. We're going to eat pizza every night for dinner. Great. Right. It's this kind of idea that it's like it's a silly example, but we're abandoning ourselves. We don't share our right. thoughts or feelings out of fear of rejection and abandonment. And when I use my hands, it's often like I'm putting one hand on top of my other hand because we lose the individual identity. And then to swing out of that, because now today in our social media world and the boom of information that I have clients coming into my therapy room, this was even five years ago, coming into my therapy room saying, Dr. Tracy, I'm so afraid of being codependent. Am I codependent? (laughs) (laughs) So now we're on the other side where people are swinging into this hyper-independence because we don't know how to do this healthy dependency piece, which is we need others in our life. So that hyper-independence then looks like I don't need to share my feelings and needs with you. I'm good. I got it. And I'll never forget being this fresh, oh, I was 21 at the time, going into my honor supervisor's office. So that's my undergraduate degree. And I'm, for the first time, deep diving into attachment theory and relationships. And I'm in the data set trying to figure out all these things and learning all about attachment theory. And I say to this 62-year-old, six-foot-two man in his office, I say, I get it. I am secure. I'm I'm independent. I'm so secure. And he goes, Tracy, independence is fine. Interdependence is better. And it's this Mm. idea that we need to lean on people in those times of struggle. When we are distressed or upset or anxious, can we see and validate our own experience and also know that we can turn to another person in those times? Yeah. Exactly. And it's funny when you were saying that I was thinking of two different things that came up for me, um, how I used to be very codependent in my relationships and that could go back obviously my family of origin. That's a whole nother podcast episode, but, um, I became, and you know, when we're talking about, you know, the title of your book and how, you know, my husband's commented that he didn't sign up for the marriage he has now. Um, I was thinking I was very codependent back then. And, you know, he's identified that and how now I am much more independent slash interdependent. But then other times he'll come to me very proudly and say, well, I don't need you. And I don't need to depend on you anymore. I'm going to do my own thing and this and that. And I'm thinking, well, don't you need me a little? Like, <laughs> we need you a little. You know, um, yeah. It's tough. It's a tough thing to navigate. It is. It's, um, it's and so, so hard. And yeah. Yeah. You know, I think of, um, you know, with my husband, he, he tends to be someone who will stay with the family a bit more. And we love that part of him. And it's such a gift that he will want to spend weekends with us. And then at the same time, I'm saying to him, go, go and do your thing. And whether it's your partner who needs that nudge or whether it's you because, you know, we're just weighed down with mom guilt. um, Remember that doing your own thing is about giving intimacy with yourself. 
And once you can give that to yourself, then go back and give that to your partner. Like how amazing is it when one person leaves the home and they go do their cool thing and they come back and say, I did this cool thing and you're excited for them because they've done the cool thing. Right. It is. It's fun. And you kind of get that refreshed, renewed, rejuvenated feeling when you come back and you're excited to see your partner again. And you know, and you have, it's just, it's, it is, it is, I think that that time I advocate for that too, all the time, you know, to, to have that, yeah. you know, kind of alone time, if you will. As um, long as so it's not golf, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you talked a little bit earlier about the reasons couples come to come see you. Let's talk a little bit about when a couple is kind of near rock bottom. Like they're, they're contemplating separation. They're near rock bottom. They feel like they've tried it all. There is a culmination of resentment, contempt, maybe some stonewalling, you know, all the things Gottman talks about, right? Um, disgust. How do you come back from that? Like what might be the first step that you would suggest to a couple? Maybe you talk about this in your book. When you get to that point where you're you're struggling. Yeah. Like what what do you what do you even do? Like what's your first step? And is there hope that you can survive it? I think the hope comes from whether you and your partner are both in the relational arena, right? Brene Brown talks about getting the arena when you're vulnerable. Let's think of the relational arena. Are you both on the dance floor saying we will both try our best to move forward. Because if it's only one of you doing that, then it, you are going to feel like you're pulling the other person. So is that person committed with you to say, I want to move forward with you. I want to try something here and have us to be different. And I think the other important piece here is sometimes, and I know this really depends on who you are and your values and um, perhaps even any spirituality or religious beliefs are in there. That's also really important cultural beliefs. But for some people, what I say to them is you have to want to do this for you. It's not enough to do it for the kids because it's at the end of the day, it's you. Your kids will move on. They're going to move out. They will go and flourish into their life. We want that for our children. And so then for you, are you going to be the one looking beside you and saying, we're on this ride together. I'm so glad we took this ride. Like we're on the roller coaster. So I think that's really important. So to have hope, I think is key, but you both have to be in there. And then I think when it comes to moving forward and, and looking at the actual steps of how to do that first, if you're at that point, there there's no late time to go for couples therapy. Ideally, I wish more people would show up earlier before they got married, but there's no late time. But you have to recognize that couples therapy isn't going to fix things in five sessions. You're going to be signing up for a little bit longer than that because you've got a lot of wounds to work through. And it doesn't mean the therapist isn't good. It doesn't mean you're not working. It just means there's a lot to unpack. So reaching out for help is important. That's key. But then the other thing is, what are we doing together to find and come together and co-create in our relationship? So if we're not doing anything, then nothing is going to change. And if you spend, so so what I would recommend is actually the more physical and experiential things that you can do together. Because what we tend to do is we use more words. Okay, well, what are you going to be different? What are you going to do? How are we going to make this change and all the things? But go and date each other again. Plan a date and go out to the restaurant, go for the hike, go for the movie, whatever it is, and start dating again. Because you have to find each other and create those moments and those memories of what it means to be curious and open 
empathic and excited with your partner. But if you're going to do that and you keep holding your mind, he's not going to show up. Well, what's the point? This isn't going to change. Why bother? Oh, did he leave his socks on the floor again? He never helps out with laundry, right? If we're holding the negative narrative in our minds, we're going to keep traveling down that road versus I'm going to give this a try. We are learning to discover each other again. And so I think those dating moments are really important. And then that calls into you having the very real practical conversations around what's not working for each of us. So if I am going to view my partner as never listening, and that is, say, the worst negative view of my partner, my job I can only control me. My job is to then say, am I willing to look at you and believe that you are trying to listen to me? Can I change that perspective within myself and find the moments where you are listening? The other thing we want to be doing in our relationships at this point, when we feel like we're not sure where we're going, if that we've just hit rock bottom, is to then have those meetings talking about what are we actually going to change about ourselves and the other person. and. You both need to be in there. You both contribute to this dynamic. When we get to this place in a relationship, I think it's really important for people to know that it wasn't just one person that got you here. It's that dynamic piece. And so, you know, something, and I talk about this in the book, uh, it's this kind of moment of, I have to recognize that if I'm going to jump into criticism every time my husband comes to me to tell me something, I'm creating more distance in our bond. And it's not going to invite him to come to me and share more with me. So what's in my control is that I can choose when he comes to me with something, no matter how small it is, it's the being able to say, thank you for sharing that with me. Being able to acknowledge it might be hard to hear, but I get to choose how I'm going to respond and show up to that. And so for anyone who is in that place, I do want to recognize that relationships are incredibly hard and that there is no right or wrong choice. We can only make the choice based on where we are today. And sometimes that is a hard decision of deciding to leave a relationship. Which leads to my next question, Dr. Tracy. Uh, A friend came to me a little while ago and she said, I'm asking for a friend who asked me, how, when do you know when to leave a relationship? When do you know it's time to separate or time to get a divorce? And I told her about you and your book. And I said, give me a couple weeks. I'm going to be interviewing her and I'm going to ask her this question. So how do you know? Is there a tall tale sign or is it just something that you feel like is the best next step? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, you know, I think we can look at some some non-negotiables. So if we look at physical violence in any way, sexual violence, and the repeated emotional um, abuse in a relationship, what do I mean by that? And, and I don't like to use the word emotional abuse because it can get thrown around easily without considering the dynamic in a relationship. But if you find yourself in a partnership where you're constantly being put down, where you feel like anything you say is being twisted around and thrown back at you, you are no longer emotionally safe in that relationship. If anytime you come to your partner and say something like, you know, I really miss you, I would love for us to connect. And they come back to you 10 times worse of, oh yeah, well, well, all the things, right? Then you have to ask yourself, is this really working for myself, for me, for what I want, for what I want to model to my children? So I think that the answer to that really is it depends It depends on what's going on. It depends on what you're willing to accept in a relationship. Um, And then to also just know that if you are struggling making that choice, 
reach out to a therapist so that you can have that objective space to work through it. Because what we also sometimes get caught up doing is we go to people who will maybe confirm one way or another, you know, maybe we go to the group of friends who are all together still in their marriage and they'll be like, oh, just make it work. You can make it work. Or maybe we go to a friend who has separated and then they're going to give you their opinion. So you're going to, you don't want to get flooded with a lot of opinions, but instead I think that's where that objective outsider could be really helpful just so that you can work out what's going to be best for you. And in my position as a therapist, it's never my job to tell someone to stay or go because I don't know what the future looks like. And we know that people change and it's okay for you to say, this isn't how I envision the next 10 years if neither one of us can change. Right. And for the people that say, let's stay together for the kids. What are your thoughts about that? I hear it a lot. I feel like even in doing child therapy, I hear it a lot. You know, we'll just stay together for the kids, or maybe it's better that if we get divorced, it's going to be worse for them. They're going to be emotionally distraught. They're going to, you know, suffer in school. Their social relationships will suffer. And and things do change. I feel like there is an adjustment adjustment period after divorce. Things are going to be different. Yeah. But but what are your thoughts? I mean, if, if the couple's together and they're constantly arguing, that's not healthy for the kids either, right? There's there's two sides of that coin. So. If you are constantly arguing and there is an absence of love in the home, then you are showing your children what it means to accept that kind of behavior, right? Everything we do is modeling to them. How we interact with our children models what it means to be in relationship and then how they see us interact. And even if we're not fighting in front of the kids, sometimes the absence of something weighs even heavier. And so again, it comes back to the question of, what, uh, what do I want to show my children? What do I want them to learn? And when I think of them in my shoes right now, what would I want them to do? And yes, there is this reality of getting really uncomfortable in making a change and also then asking yourselves, what am I teaching my children by doing that? I, I mean, at the end of the day, nobody can judge you for what you decide to do and you have to be okay with that decision. Exactly. Dr. Tracy, you have the best advice. You are just so educated in what you do and you're obviously so passionate about it. I am so excited about your book. Um, Please share where people can find you, your website, your socials, and where they can pre-order the book um, or buy it when it comes out very soon. Absolutely. So the book, I didn't sign up for this, is coming out on September 12th. You can buy it anywhere you buy books and always encourage people to check out their independent bookstores. Um, And you can also go to my website, drtracyd.com forward slash book. And when you do pre-order it, because I know this is going to be out before the book. So if this is before September 12th, come over and grab those pre-order bonuses. So I have several guides for you to get started with the work. One of my favorite is the scripts for difficult conversations. I walk you through step-by-step on how to start that conversation if your partner is always defensive or tends to lean towards criticism. I've mapped it out there um, in that bonus there. Plus, there are lots of other events that are coming up that you'll have a ticket to. Um, It's just such an exciting time. Book launches are always so fun. And then also, after you've listened, please say hello to me over on Instagram. It's at Dr. Tracy D. I'm in my DMs, and I always love hearing from you what stood out from you. And you have such great content too. I, I, I subscribe to your newsletter. I love it. You have so many helpful tips. I'm so glad. And 
your reels are so relatable and helpful at the same time, right? So um, I'm, I love your Instagram and I hope people follow along, take advantage of, of all the materials that you already have and buy your new book. Thank you, Dr. Tracy, for being on the show today. Thank you, Dr. Kim. And thank you to everyone who joined us. Thank you for joining me today. I cannot wait for you to listen to more episodes. If you are a new listener, I recommend starting at my best of year one episode first. Then make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And when you love an episode, please leave a review. And if you want to stay connected between episodes, please visit me on social media at The Parentologist and on my blog at theparentologist.com. This podcast is not intended to be a replacement for therapy. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 911. Why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number Smart Bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 Smart Bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed, plus free home delivery when you add an adjustable base. Ends Monday. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com.